Welcome to the Kuppinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm lead advisor and a senior analyst at Kuppinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Paul Fisher. He is an analyst working with Kuppinger Coal out of London. Hi, Paul. Hi, Matthias. Good to be back. Great to have you. And this is the fourth episode we are doing in the area around working from home scenarios. So we are one year or more into the pandemic and we are looking back a bit and we are looking into our crystal ball into the future. What will change for the future when it comes to cybersecurity, home networks, working from home, home devices and people accessing resources on corporate systems which are on-prem, in the cloud, and everywhere in between. You and I, Paul, we have been talking about a privileged access management mm. um, recently when it comes to DevOps, when it comes to PAM in general. Does PAM play a role in work-from-home scenarios as well? Yeah. I'm in contact with many PAM vendors all the time, as, you, as you'd expect. And uh, although they won't give... You know, they're not, they don't give out actual figures straight away, but they've all expressed or, or have said that their uh, revenue, or their sales have all increased in the last 12 months. And they always say that's purely down to the effects of the pandemic that you were just talking about. So if you consider who uses privilege access management, uh, people that have privilege accounts, they previously would have been working within the enterprise. I mean, as a, I mean, sort of within what we would call the office space uh, to give it a more real world term. Um, and of course, many of them have found themselves outside of that and they suddenly had to work from home. They suddenly didn't have a secure endpoint, or at least they didn't have one that had been set up for privilege access from a remote point, uh, or worse than that, they may find themselves working on a machine that is actually a domestic machine that is uh, literally no security in it whatsoever. So, if those people, uh, let's, let, let's let's say they're admins, you know, the traditional people that use privilege access, because um, we can talk about how things have changed, but the admins would still need to have access to systems and to servers um, to do the things that they do, which is to do updates and do maintenance and also to provide access to other users to potential privileged accounts. So they needed to do that from home. And so it quickly became apparent that people needed what we call endpoint privilege management added to their laptops, or at least added to the protection that the organization has. So very much it's, it's impacted on privilege access management. And what I was going to also say is that when we're talking to PAM vendors, they also say the market is changing in that people that have privilege access are not necessarily just uh, admins anymore. They might more be let's say, ordinary employees, let's say, uh, for once of a better term, that require access to certain things which would be deemed sensitive or confidential or private or personally identifiable information that they need to do a certain job. So those people have been given privilege access as well. So it, it's changed the game quite a lot. Um, and I think when we 
assess the market as I am doing right now with the 2021 leadership compass, I think we'll see quite a few changes in revenue and also the kind of capabilities that the, the, the products are offering. And uh, very few PAM vendors will now not talk about endpoint privilege management as if it's a, a bit of an afterthought. I think it's seen as very much integral. Whether this will continue, I mean, we were talking just before we sort of recorded this that, um, you know, we don't know the long-term effects of the pandemic. We don't know how much people will stay, remain working at home. We, we you know, can't really foretell that because there's two schools of thought. Other, one thought is that companies work better when employees are in a, in one place for, you know, the creativity reasons and productivity, etc. But I think there has been a lesson learned that the world wasn't actually quite ready for the massive switch to home working and remote working straight away. And a lot of cyber criminals who, after all, are the reason why we always take all these measures, I think they realised and took advantage of that fact that uh, there was a lot of unprotected endpoints out there and it was a fairly easy way to find your way into privilege accounts and then move sideways into into the organisation. So we've seen a, a massive rise in malware, a massive rise in ransomware, uh, especially in the, in the last year. I don't know whether that's improved at all recently. Um, I don't tend to look at numbers of, of attacks and things. What, what, I don't know if you know, Matthias. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there has been an in increase and Annie came up with with some some stunning figures in, in the, one of the first episodes in this sub-series that we're doing around that topic of working from home and cybersecurity. Mm. So th th there have been lots of attacks. There have been lots of targeted attacks um, that, that has changed quite dramatically. Mm. Um, and that is something that I see in my daily life because I receive these mails from presumably trustworthy people which are not who they claim to be. So a, a colleague, um, mm. a UPS parcel notification, which I have not ordered, and all this kind of stuff is coming in. It's really yeah. targeted um, attacks, and it's all around that topic. But that's how they work, isn't it? I mean, they, they, uh, they'll they look on LinkedIn and other directories, even Facebook, to see, to find people that they think may well have privilege access or access to things that they want to find themselves. So the lesson is that don't put too much information about yourself in a public space, particularly on things like LinkedIn. But unfortunately, people like to boast. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, don't, you know, probably don't say you're, you're the, you know, the head of anything, an admin, an, a head of admin at uh, a bank right. sort of thing. Uh, I, I, I'm talking rubbish here. Obviously, people are going to say what they do for real. The, the real threat is that, though, that they um, people will, like you say, target certain individuals and and try and and fool them into clicking on things and and or uh, giving away secrets. It's no longer simply about protecting passwords or credentials to to give you access to stuff. It's about protecting secrets mm -hmm. and i think we've we said this before that you know secrets can be almost anything these days it, could, it can be a piece of code that is particularly important or it can be credentials hidden in there or it can be data of, of any sort and i think pam is starting to be used for, for that kind of management as well 
Yeah, I think Pam really came to the rescue in many of the situations that arose with the with the um, pandemic and people working from home. Um, you've mentioned that that many endpoints were not properly protected, but the technologies that are in use in in Pam for years right now, they are really helpful in protecting also these endpoints, starting with application whitelisting, so to pre to prevent software which is not expected to run on a machine from running by saying, okay, this, these are the allowed processes and, and I don't want to have a, a virus scanner guessing what is going on on my machine, but rather decide that there's only a defined set of processes that is allowed to run on my machine at all, at least when it is a highly sensitive endpoint. And this is a technology that came with PAM application whitelisting is endpoint protection as part of PAM. And as you said, I preached that for years to also consider highly critical business access uh, to be privileged and to be treated as being privileged. But that has, as you've mentioned, now really changed that if somebody is able to, in a banking, in a core banking system, to create clients, to, to do massive transfers from uh, clients that have just been created, this is something that should be considered as critical as having root access to a database server because they can really change information that can be vital to an organization. And if this is one of the learnings that we are taking away from this pandemic into a post-pandemic world, that these accounts are also to be considered as privileged, I think this is a good thing that we've learned from that. Yeah, I think we used to have an obsession about root and you know protecting root and all that, uh, as if that was the, uh, the only way in. So you're absolutely right. I think the other thing is a lot of organizations probably weren't aware that there was already a number of tools within the applications they already use. For example, Office and Windows have security tools within that you can unlock to, you know, it helps secure remote access. I mean, even things as old as Remote Desktop Manager can be used to control access from, from the desktop. So that's another thing that uh, I think organizations need to look into before they sort of start splashing out on particular technologies is to see what they can do already. And you, they'd probably be surprised uh, how much the, they didn't know once they start looking under the bonnet uh, uh, or under the hood, uh, as they say. Absolutely. You've mentioned that you're currently planning for or already in, uh, researching for the next version of the uh, leadership compass uh, yeah. on privileged access management. Are there any developments that you can really directly associate with the COVID pandemic? So if we take our crystal ball and look into the future, what will be the changes that come from the COVID pandemic? Well, I've been having briefings with a number of vendors already. And like I said earlier, they've already mentioned that that has had an impact, at least for them in a positive way, you know, that uh, it's increased revenue and, and driven sales. Um, those that perhaps hadn't had an EPM or did have an EPM have probably uh, highlighted it a bit more. I think it's a bit of a short Uh, to be honest, uh, between now, between the pandemic starting and now, I don't think many of the platforms have changed significantly. I don't think they've added new modules, uh, particularly towards remote working. But I think what they will say is that uh, those that have it already will say that, you know, will boost, will promote it more than they did in the past. We, we've seen a number of new vendors, uh, which is which is interesting. 
vendors that we haven't analyzed in the past uh, come into this year's leadership compass. Another a trend that may be connected to COVID is a greater focus on SMBs and creating a privilege access management platform that is much easier to, to have PAM, you need admins as well to run PAM, not just to, <laughs> uh, to allow admins to have privilege access. So, and still many platforms, you, once, you, once you get beyond the sort of shiny outside, once you get into the admin consoles, you, you, you're suddenly in, into code and uh, green screen stuff. And I think that's a bit frightening for, for smaller businesses, a bit frightening for those businesses that understand that privilege access is something they need to think about, but they're not prepared or they're not, they don't expect the, the level of command line interface. That was the phrase I was looking for. Still a lot of, of PAMs use CLIs to, to actually do the admin of the PAM itself. And in, in 2021, you know, a, a command line interface to most people, uh, particularly sort of uh, millennials, it's not something that they're really prepared to put up with. And I think we have to start thinking about the sort of next generation of, let's call them admins, but actually they're probably more likely to be just employees that have responsibilities for something. And they need to be able to see and do stuff really quickly. And they need like a, a dashboard with buttons that do stuff and they need APIs that connect to applications and all the stuff that they're kind of used to in the other world of, you know, mobile apps so that PAM application becomes uh, something that is easier to use and does what it's supposed to very much more easily. And I think a number of the vendors I've spoken to are, are really cotton on to that and they're starting to focus, although, you know, the revenue potentially in SMB isn't, you, you know, you get one big enterprise customer for PAM and, you know, you, you've made a lot of money. But I think some vendors are thinking, yeah, but it's almost kind of satisfying to provide a smaller business, a sort of a, a young startup business with PAM that they, they can relate to. So I think it's becoming more human in a way. So we talk less about credentials and admins and all that stuff and to just talk about securing access to secrets, which is kind of what PAM should be. Um, so there is a shift in, I, I guess, the kind of philosophy of PAM. And I think maybe the experience of the pandemic has probably helped that as it has uh, other areas of computing. So I'm, I'm personally quite, you know, quite pleased to see that. And I've noticed a change that more and more vendors are now moving much more to dashboards and user interfaces, which connect to stuff and hide the mechanisms. Obviously for larger enterprises, they probably will have more of the old school type of admins that, that love. And I know that coders and everyone else, they love command line interface. I'm, I'm talking more about, you know, the, the general well. To use a, a sort of analogy, I play around with photography and the level of photo manipulation you can now do on an iPhone is just extraordinary. Just with a few simple clicks, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that would have taken, you would have needed a, a very large PC or, or a Mac to, to do similar work. And I think what's great about that is it allows people to be creative without having to think about it too much. So I think with Pam, it might allow people 
who access privilege without thinking about it too much and making it secure. Absolutely. I, I fully agree. And I think um, when it comes to finally having convenience, user experience and efficiency for different user groups for PAM, uh, but also for the for the traditional PAM users as well. So moving away from this nerdy, geeky admin approach towards privileged access management, more towards a an end user, a business user oriented focus. If this is one of the results that we uh, see out of the developments of the last 15 or 20 months, whenever you hear that, then that is really something that can only help because introducing PAM into a, an enterprise or a, a smaller organization always comes with lots of obstacles and there are people who just don't want to do that. And if it feels more like home, it feels more like one of these shiny new uh, cloud-based software as a service architectures, then I think that can only be um, can, can only be good. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing. Software as a service or PAM as a service is another emerging area. But Talking about deployment of PAM, I mean, we still talk about weeks and months and sometimes even years for PAM to be put into a, an enterprise, and that's got to change as well. You know, why does a company have to wait that long for something to work uh, or to get time to value, you know, in, in the business term? So I think although there are some rather grand claims for PAM being up and running in a day, which is probably a bit too much on the, the other end of the scale. Um, but I think that if we can get more towards off the shelf or as a service PAM, uh, that's going to benefit a lot of companies as well. Right, exactly. And as I consider PAM also to be a part of identity and access management and a vital part of identity and access management, I think um, this boost that we have seen towards PAM also shows more visibility for this important part of identity and access management and cybersecurity, and in the end also governance and, and the, the, the principles of, of least privilege, of need to know, of protecting information whenever it is not required to have access to that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to our audience to find more information on that, I understand this leadership compass will take a few more months, I, I expect. Um, it's uh, expected June. That's the the, uh, the the drop date to use a music a music industry mm -hmm. term. Let's get really cool now. So it's expected to drop around about the end of June, I would say. Right. So we would present the, the first uh, single out of this release um, <laughs> within this podcast, of course. Yes. And we will talk about the results that you have found out by then. Um, until then, those who are interested in privileged access management could have a look at your um, research around PAM for DevOps that we've already talked about mm -hmm. in the recent version of um, that topic, of course. And I've seen there are a few videos you've provided um, around the topic of, of PAM also available on our website and I guess on YouTube as well, right? Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know the address, but yeah, yeah. You just type PAM into YouTube. You're bound to come up with something. <laughs> it might be Paul. It might be something different. But um, but in the end, if you would. But, but definitely, uh, definitely it's on our website somewhere. Yeah. 
Right. So if you type Paul Fisher into this search um, engine that we have embedded on our website, you will very quickly end up with some nice results and interesting results around privileged access management. Paul, thank you very much for being my guest today, for talking um, as part of this Work From Home series about the, um, the development and the influence of PAM um, during this pandemic and the Work From Home scenario. Any final words that you want to add when it comes to uh, what you've experienced, what you've seen with PAM and the Working From Home scenario? No, just one final thought was that I've been doing some work on data governance platforms as well. And it's interesting that even with those, where those platforms have some level of access management. So, you know, they decide or they can see who's getting access to, to data. They're actually putting a little bit of privilege access in there, which is very interesting so that they can provide um, a just-in-time access to something which is PAM in all senses of the word, and yet it's not in a PAM solution. So that's very interesting and something else to watch. So I think... We're seeing a bit of a merger between, like you said, IAM, PAM, and data governance. Because after all, they're all related. Final, final thought from my side. If we think of this identity fabric that we're talking about, then also these platforms need to be part of an overall identity and access management approach. And that, of course, needs to include privileged access management. And if there is some PAM functionality, some PAM features, building blocks built into these platforms as well, you need to consider them within this bigger picture as part of an overall privileged access management, at least a, a, a paradigm that you want to implement within an organization to be feature complete, to have a complete picture of what is going on in your organization. Great. Thank you very much, Paul. Looking forward to having you in another episode of this podcast very soon. Absolutely. And um, latest with the with the new release of this PAM Leadership Compass. The drop. Yes. The drop. The, exactly. At the, <laughs> the single release. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. And thanks for being my guest today. No problem. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.